most of our clients that we're working with, they have those same kind of passions and ideals too. They've got maybe a special charity that they want to give to. They want part of their estate to go to. They want to know how can it go there with little tax as possible. So we help build those plans to make sure that the money goes where they want it to go, whether it's right now while they're here or after they're gone. Welcome to the Channel Mastery Podcast. If you're a specialty business and brand leader obsessed with understanding what the most effective channels are today to connect with, serve, and sell to your target consumers, then you've just found the perfect podcast and community. My name is Kristen Carpenter, and I'm your host and the founder of Verde Brand Communications, the presenting sponsor of Channel Mastery. Verde created the Channel Mastery Podcast to level the playing field for the specialty brands we serve. Every week on this show, we study how consumer preferences are changing and the evolving channels they like to use to engage with their favorite brands. Once again, welcome to Channel Mastery and subscribe today. When this show drops, it will be September 2020. September. I can't believe it. Well, thankfully, there's a great episode for you today, and it is one that will, I think, provoke you to think on so many levels about your target consumer as we head into month seven of this global pandemic. But before we drop in, I want to be sure and thank our amazing sponsor, Verde Brand Communications. The Verde team is committed to serving specialty brands. Our strategic approach and results power the entire consumer decision journey. From discovery to engagement, nurturing to conversion, trust Verde to help you build and activate your brand's community. Check us out at verdepr.com and know that the show notes containing resources referenced in the show today can be found on both verdepr.com and channelmastery.com. All right, back to today. I'm introducing a new kind of episode to you today, and it is a format I'll try to offer regularly going forward because... I think it's important. Today, we're going to cross-train. That's right. You're about to get a cross-training episode. Why? Well, let me explain. As an athlete, I wholeheartedly believe in cross-training. As a matter of fact, September also marks the start of my 2021 training regime for what I hope will be a calendar filled, okay, marked intermittently with in-person endurance cycling events of the gravel and mountain bike variety. That means I need to start to run, yuck, and hit the weights, work on flexibility, and yes, stop eating my weight in nachos as often as I have been. I know that last one really isn't about cross-training, but I do need to really cut that out of my day-to-day Well, week to week. (laughs) Cross-training is about working in a specific way to train weaknesses. It works in our businesses just as it works for cycling and fitness. And it is especially important to cross-train in our businesses during a pandemic, a recession, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, who knew? Well, we know, right? Today, we're diving into how being channel masters is not just reserved for physical specialty brands or retailers. Today, I present two hardworking creative leaders in financial services. They are our first cross-training case study here at Channel Mastery. I consider Andy Inman and Chris Young to be renegades in the field of financial planning. 
Andy and Chris know that the basis of what they offer, financial advisory services, are readily available online and offline. They also know that the consumer discovery, research, and conversion process is happening online today in their category. But what they offer most certainly needs to be a human-to-human connection. They want their company, Springs Wealth Group, to be differentiated to appeal to just the right client, and this client has a specific idea of what success looks like tied to a lifestyle they aspire to. We're going to get into that in more detail in the interview today. And also in today's episode, you'll learn how a non-product specialty brand is working to niche itself across just the right channels and with just the right blend of resources and brand storytelling. So this episode serves as an awesome opportunity to consider new strategies to try in your own business, kind of like cross-training. I also think you're going to learn some remarkable facts and trends about financial planning while we're at this episode here today. Chris and Andy are absolute experts about this topic, especially as it pertains to outdoor recreation enthusiasts. I'm really, really proud to call the Springs Wealth Group a Verde Brand Communications client. All right, let's head into the show then, shall we? Here is the Springs Wealth Group episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast. Let's do this. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast. I am absolutely stoked to introduce two exceptional guests to you today. They are both financial advisors and co-founders of the Springs Wealth Group. I would like to welcome Chris Young and Andy Inman. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Kristen. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's awesome to have you here. Um, here we are getting to the end of August 2020. What you do, I think, is, is uh, very important throughout the year, but in a year like COVID and as we're kind of heading into the last couple quarters of the year, we're in them actually, people definitely have a lot of what you do top of mind, whether it's businesses or personally. So part of what we're doing today is talking about how you're trying to um, bring what you do in the Springs Wealth Group to impact positively like more people, more clients and more businesses in this very special way, which I'm excited to dive into here today because it shows the audience that every kind of business, not just specialty products and retailers, work needs to work on this to be a specialty brand and to really differentiate themselves to their audience. We're also just as part and parcel to that likely going to learn a lot about, you know, what you do and um, the post-COVID or I guess we're not post-COVID. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, (laughs) my aspirational thinking, but we're going to learn a lot about kind of how your jobs have changed in terms of how you're supporting your clients through COVID and a recession and all of the shenanigans that are happening right now. So with that, Andy and Chris, um, I would love it if each of you could give a little bit of your background and how you found your way into financial advising and the Springs Wealth Group. Well, this is Chris. Um, so I have been in the financial planning business for 18 years now. Um, initially from Texas, um, grew born and raised there. And uh, we made a decision a couple of years ago that uh, we wanted to move out of Texas um, and move up to Colorado. And Andy and I had been friends for about 10 years. And uh, I called him up one day and said, hey, what would you think about partnering together and, and merging our businesses? So Uh, That conversation began, I guess, in August of 2018 and started making the steps to do that and moved my family up to Colorado Springs in August of uh, 2019. 
And then we officially brought our businesses together. So we still operate an office in Texas uh, and also have our office here in Colorado Springs. Um, but, you know, during that time, uh, you know, working with individuals and families, uh, just helping them reach their most important financial goals. Awesome. Yeah, and this is Andy. Um, I've been in the financial advising business for about 12 years now. Uh, my wife and I are both originally from a small farming community in Northwest Iowa. And everybody asked me how we ended up in Colorado. And I said, well, have you been to Iowa and seen the cornfields? And have you been to Colorado and seen the mountain range? So uh, it was an easy sell for us. Uh, but uh, yeah, we relocated out here back in 2008, which is actually when I uh, started in the financial advising business out here. And as Chris and I uh, kind of got further down the track of looking at this partnership and what it really meant, we got kind of excited about uh, building the, the practice the way that we really thought that it should be built and a little bit different than the traditional advisory practice. So we, we love what we do. We love the area that we're in. Um, but that's just kind of a, us in a nutshell, I guess. Well, I'm, it's a perfect jumping off point. So Springs Wealth Group does differentiate itself and we're going to get into exactly that, but it's important that I ingrain this in our conversation, like from the get-go. Obviously, I think what you do and what you're faced with in terms of differentiating and really positioning yourself to find exactly your right clients and businesses to work with is really no different than I think what a specialty product or a specialty retailer or even like a consultant or service provider, like we all actually have to be very targeted today and really understand, um, we like to call them kind of the, the pillow talk that our, that our avatar, our target shopper, our target clients have um, around what we're trying to do to transform them or enable them to like see a future that they want and understand that you can get them there as trusted guides. So knowing that, tell us what your vision is around Springs Wealth Group. Like how have you created something that is truly differentiated and very perfect for the people you're serving? So this is Chris again. As financial planners in the business, we are kind of taught this uh, mantra of everybody wants to retire one day and you need to help them build up to get to that point. Help them save this big pile of money so that when they retire, they can start doing all these fun things like traveling and you know going to see family. Um, Andy and I, our personal values conflict with that message uh, because both Andy and I, um, we like to have fun right now. If we want to take a month off right now to, you know, go backpacking somewhere, we want to do that right now, not when we're 65. And so we have, over the course of the past year, changed our messaging completely with our clients saying, you don't have to wait till you're 65 to do these things. Uh, let's do them now along the way while still building up for the future, but let's figure out a plan that makes that work together. So I think that's probably what differentiates us a lot of other planning firms is that we're trying to make sure our clients can have a good time on the way to reach their goals um, so they can accomplish some things while they're younger, more healthy, more fit. Um, you know, so these are some things that we want to do when we're younger, but we don't want to do that at the sacrifice of down the road, being able to enjoy those things as well. So Andy. Yeah. And Chris hit the nail on the head. I mean, the big thing that we, we kind of differentiate ourselves um, in the industry is, is we concentrate a lot more on lifestyle planning. And it's not just about the destination. It's really about the adventure of getting there. And that's how we live our lives. And that's how our families live our lives. We're not planning just for someday. 
because we don't all know that we're going to have a someday. So we want to make sure that we're planning along the way and, and having a lot of fun as we go through. And um, there's obviously opportunities to, to have some fun while still being fiscally responsible and making sure you are providing for that someday when we eventually get there. Well, and the outdoor active lifestyle backdrop dovetails perfectly with that. And it sounds like both of you made that lifestyle choice. Um, and it's so interesting to me in the, the disruptive quality of this, there may be listeners saying like, there's really not much disruptive about like, you know, this idea. But if you look at it against the backdrop of how we've been taught and how we're trained to understand retirement, um, and also the other disruptor, the equal and more, uh, more, more relevant disruptor, which is what's happened this year. We know for a fact that everything's up for grabs this year. So if you have had a plan and you've made traction on it and it has been sort of like an off in the future plan, my guess is, Chris and Andy, you probably have a lot of people out there who are second guessing their own future plans and really trying to recalibrate their you know, how they're looking at their lives. So can you talk a little bit about that in terms of some of the people that you've been in interacting with this year specifically and the mindset that's changed? And then we're going to talk about how you're going to, you know, be positioning yourselves as guides for them. Yeah, this is, uh, this is Andy. And that's been a, a hot topic, obviously, in our practice here over the last five months. Um, we started out at the beginning of the year and we had one of the strongest economies we'd ever seen. I'll be honest, our, our business was really easy. You know, we had conversations coming off a great growth year in markets, unemployment was at record lows. People were feeling really great about where the economy was. Money was flowing. Businesses were doing well. And then all of a sudden we got just the punch in the face that was COVID. And there's still a level of it that we're trying to figure out across all channels. And we work with a lot of clients that it provided a big level of uncertainty and not necessarily panic, but some fear of the unknown. And the recession that we just came through is different than any recession that most of us have ever seen because it really wasn't driven by economic uh, negativity. It was the fear of the unknown and it was you know, poor economic situation followed as a result of the fear based around that. So a lot of what, you know, we saw was people, yeah, pivoting, looking at changing the plans. Um, business owners specifically were looking at revenue streams and trying to forecast, how do I take care of my employees? How do I make sure that I keep the, the train on the tracks with my business moving through the rest of the year? And first and foremost, how do I make sure that I cover my nut and, and that, you know, I, I've got the assets and revenue still there to keep the doors open. So we saw a lot of panic, uh, a lot of fear of the unknown, and really a lot of what Chris and I do on a daily basis. I, I joke, I'm married to a psychologist, but during times of, of turbulence in the market, I kind of joke with her that we probably counsel more people on a daily basis than she does in her professional psychology practice. And reality is, is money is a very emotional thing to a lot of people. And Chris and I are firm believers that, hey, having a plan and a strategy and a team of trusted advisors to fall back on when things do get squirrely is really a big strength. So we did see a lot of people pivot, focus. They, they really got more, I would say, concentrated on 
looking at themselves and saying, do I have a plan in place? You know, yes, this happened. We, none of us expected it to happen, but what if it happens again? Or how long is this going to, to continue? So definitely a focus on some things that when money's coming in easy, isn't necessarily a, a focus for them. We saw a lot of transition into looking towards the future and having more of a concerted plan. That's great. And Chris, I'd love to ask you, obviously, throughout this time, people have been tethered to their browsers and they're probably seeing a lot. Uh, they can Google or maybe they're getting emails that they never signed up for about exactly what you're a guide and a trusted guide and a very experienced guide on, which is, you know, financial security, creating your future and just the areas of expertise that you have. So what have you seen in terms of like the importance of that human relationship as, as 2020 has evolved? Cause that obviously has always been very important to what you've offered through your practice, but how is it different today? Here we are almost in September of 2020. Yeah, Kristen, I, this is Chris. Yeah. So I'm a big backpacker and, um, I, I'm a, I'm a gear junkie too. So I buy stuff all the time. I I'm on my device, Googling, searching, what's the newest thing. And um, I can tell you from personal experience, because I've gone out alone and backpacked, and I've gone out with guides and backpacked. And my trips that were guided, they were great. I had a much better time. There was a lot less stress, a lot more peace of mind. Um, so I got to enjoy the views that I was seeing. And I didn't worry about the food that was great for us to be made. And I, I kind of feel like that's what we do for clients. Yes, there is plenty of resources for people to go out and do it themselves. But just like when you're backpacking and the grizzly bear comes out of the woods, <laughs> you'd rather have a guy that's seen that before than be there to handle it by yourself. And right. it's the same, same with our business. When a recession pops up or a, a particular company goes bankrupt, do you want to be handling that situation by yourself with your own financial planning or do you want somebody who's there? You know, on a little deeper note, you know, we have clients who pass away, spouses who pass away. We've been through that several times with clients on how to navigate the, the aftershock and what do we do with the money and the estate and the will and the kids. And, you know, um, for most people, that's the first time they've ever handled it. So do you want to do it by yourself and be Googling how to handle that? Or do you want to call somebody you've already been working with and say, this is what's happened. What do we do? And that's a lot of what Andy and I bring to the table in that personal relationship versus, you know, just having that relationship with your device. So. Right. And I, I love that. So what you mentioned, um, Andy, about money being emotional. Okay. Something else that I know you both know because you're part of the outdoor lifestyle, lifestyle communities is the identity we have is also very emotional. Okay. And sometimes those identities and financial planning are a bit at odds. We talked about this a lot in, um, as we were preparing for this interview, there is a little bit of a badge of honor when you're younger and, and you have the identity as a person who loves the outdoors and that's your family and your life that being a dirt bag or, you know, <laughs> Hey, we're not in these industries to make a lot of money. Like how many times have you heard that? I know. So I would love to talk a little bit about how um, this identity is, should be inclusive, whether it's a financial identity or whether it's your outdoor identity, they should be actually inclusive of each other because ultimately it helps you enjoy 
both more, but it also puts you in a position, I think, to affect positive change with your hard-earned money. So I'd love for one of you to talk a little bit about that because that is a key perception that we need to be working on. And it's part of the podcast here is like enabling us to understand how to reach our consumers and potentially change a lifeline, a lifelong belief that they have. Yeah, Kristen, you you hit the nail on the head there. This, this is Andy. We run into that a lot, uh, especially with our target demographic, because there there is this disconnect um, that sometimes having money or making money is actually viewed as evil. And you know that's not always the case. Obviously, businesses that we work with, their primary goal is to put out a good quality product, uh, but they also need to pay the bills. And hopefully, as an owner taking some risk doing that, they're making something on the backside. So there is a, a big level from the planning standpoint. And that's what I think, you know, you'll, you'll hear Chris and I talk about a lot as we fall back on plans. The, a financial plan really is the backbone of what we do and what we feel really strengthens um, that financial opportunity for any client that we work with, no matter what the assets they have, no matter what their goal is. Chris used a great analogy of going out with a, a guide on a backpacking trip. Well, I promise that guide doesn't just throw his, his day pack on and say, hey, cool, let's go. They've got a, a strategy and a timeline lined out of, hey, we're going to hit this you know, trailhead at this time. We're going to hit this checkpoint at this time. Um, we're going to stop for lunch at this peak. We're going to do, you know, we're going to have flexibility along the way that if we we see something we want to go do, we can go do that. But ultimately, they don't walk out of the gear shack without having a plan in place. Yeah. And that's kind of the attitude that we take from financial planning is, you know, not all of our clients have a, a lot of assets. And a lot of people work with us just from a planning standpoint, they want to actually self-manage their money. And that's kind of a badge of honor for them too. And, and there's a lot of great opportunities to do that with the technology that we've seen developed over the last few years for individuals. Um, but there's, there's not a, a lot of great value add from a planning standpoint or advice standpoint. And sometimes people just want to have that ability to fall back and ask questions. And so, you know, to circle back on, on that idea of, you know, Hey, I, I've got friends that consider themselves dirtbags. I've got family members that literally have told me, you know, me and my dirtbag buddies. But then I also look and it's like, well, yeah, but you ski on three and four thousand dollar equipment. You know, it's not that you don't have an opportunity to make money, it's how you choose to spend your money. But they also see that there's value in having a plan and, and some financial strategy around that of, you know, what's the next stage of life look like? And the, just this time of year and the fact that we are all relying on this team, the teams that we've been building in so many facets of our lives. So I just want to put it out there because I feel like it's important to offer a little bit of validation and permission that this is actually really important. And, it, and um, when you actually make the moves, you know, to prepare and, and educate yourself and partner with a company like yours, you're also putting yourself in a position to take care of the things that you care about your family, of course but potentially also social impact and environmental causes. So how have you addressed that? Because I know one of the things that you're you're working on us with as your partner at Verde is looking at like 1% for the planet. And I think that that's actually really important for your, your target users, if you will, as we like to call them, I guess, clients in this case. Really, it's important to know that the people that they're partnering with ethically are aligned with them. Yeah, this is Chris. And 
what we're seeing almost is is an evolution of the dirt bag. <laughs> oh, I love it. These people who have used these natural spaces, whether it's the ski slope, the hiking trail, the river, uh, the bike path, they're starting to see a higher level of use on this. And they're going, what can we do to make sure this is protected? What can we do to make sure that the users are you know, following the ethics necessary to take care of that? And a lot of the where they're running into every single time is we need money. We need to fundraise. We need to give. We need charity to be able to do these things and protect our open spaces. Um, so they're kind of starting to see a different light. Yeah, maybe I didn't need the money so much for myself, but I sure could go make some money and give it to this organization or cause. And those causes are important to Andy and I as well. Um, you know, I spent 10 years as a scoutmaster, and I get to see a lot of really neat places with the scouts that I took all over the country. Uh, but it taught me a lot about ethics in the outdoors, you know, working with that organization and seeing the experiences that those young people had in the outdoors and how it changed their lives just made me think, I'm, not only do I want those spaces available for my kids, but for my grandkids and their kids and so on. So Andy and I, you know, one of the ways we made a commitment with our business is by you know, partnering with 1% for the planet so that we ensure that, you know, uh, some of our revenue every single year, uh, which we earn from working with our clients, uh, goes to helping those organizations uh, that we care about, are passionate about, and are helping to preserve those outdoor spaces. And most of our clients that we're working with, they have those same kind of passions and ideals too. They've got maybe a special charity that they want to give to. They want part of their estate to go to, and they want to know how can it go there with little tax as possible. So we help build those plans to make sure that the money goes where they want it to go, whether it's right now while they're here or after they're gone. That's a great answer. Thank you so much. Did you want to add to that, Andy? Yeah, I, I think one thing that we've started to see more and more is people are wanting to put some social purpose behind their money and how they spend it. And that's it. I've seen that with how my wife and I have cho uh, chosen to spend money over the last few years of we want to do business with businesses and, and brands that have the same beliefs that we have and that actually put the money where their mouth is as far as supporting you know, whether it be outdoor, um, you know, preservation or protection or, you know, something of the sort, we're seeing a huge, huge shift in how people are choosing to spend their money. It's not just, well, who's got the best product or who's got the cheapest product. Um, Chris and I were having this conversation, you know, earlier this week, and there's some businesses that we choose to do business with as a company uh, as a result of those companies' commitment to nonprofit organizations or the beliefs that we have. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, it's not just our industry, but it's kind of funny because we're seeing a big push specifically in our world in the ESG uh, investment mentality of, you know, people saying, Hey, I want to invest. I want to build a plan, but I don't want to put my money in this company. And I, I know that they make, you know, good returns year over year, but I just socially or, or environmentally or governance-wise, don't agree with how they operate. And it's interesting because for years, we have always had to talk with clients about, absolutely, we support that. But just so you know, ESG investments traditionally have lagged in performance compared to traditional investments. That's not the case anymore. Um, Year-to-date, growth-wise, some of the best performing investments that, that we're working with with clients 
fall in that ESG sector. BlackRock's a great example of a company who has just touted this across the board with all of their investment products. Uh, and as a result, we have people literally calling us saying, hey, tell us about this company's investments. And it's because this is becoming more and more important. And so I, I think not, like I said, not just in our industry, but for all of your listeners and the companies that Verde works with, that's going to be something that, that needs to be addressed. Let's, so just for the listeners, um, ESG is basically representative of socially responsible mutual funds, correct? Not just mutual funds, but yeah, it, it basically ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance. Okay. Um, so it's looking at a combination of the commitment that, that a company has, whether it's a green company and green can mean a multitude of things. Socially, how are they spending their money and what causes do they support? And then a governance standpoint of how are they governing that company? Are they doing good human first business practices? So I remember last fall, um, one of my directors at Verde, Chris Dickerson, forwarded me a New York Times podcast about the BlackRock. I think it's what you're talking about, where basically they made an announcement that said, if a company does not have some sort of social impact or environmental impact tied to how it can affect positive change, consider it a flagged, challenged company going forward. Is that what you're speaking about? Absolutely. And we're, we're seeing that not just with BlackRock, but more and more companies are starting to take that attitude as they build out, build out their investment strategies and just look at the sustainability of companies moving forward. So Chris, I'd love to get your take on um, how you're helping businesses when they're considering these choices, how are you helping them communicate that to their employees and to their stakeholders that they are using their, um, you know, the money that they're making at the business to affect positive change? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things we look at, first of all, especially with our businesses, is if they do offer some type of employer-based plan, uh, which we, we all traditionally know as a 401k, um, does that 401k have options inside of it where people can make those value-based investment decisions? Or is it just this, you know, black and white lineup of, you know, here's large stock fund, here is bond fund, you know, or can they really make some social decisions with that money? So it's a big, you know, big place that companies can make an immediate impact through the benefits they provide to their employees. Um, you know, another way is, are these companies, are they partnering with a group like, say, 1% for the planet? And if they are, are they making sure that their employees are well aware of that through ongoing communications? Some companies we work with, they actually will offer a matching uh, donation to an organization if an employee is, uh, you know, donating to that themselves or possibly as a volunteer for that, maybe sits on the board for that organization. So we see that a lot as a supportive way to make sure employees are aware of the commitment that the company has. And then there's a certification. Uh, I'm sure most of your listeners know of the B Corp certification, which you know we in, you know, encourage a lot of our business owner clients to get involved with and find out how they can get that certification. So they are attracting the kind of customers or clients that they want to have. That's fantastic. So interesting too that this BlackRock, you know, topic that we talked about that's much larger than BlackRock, I realized after, you know, your comments, but that happened in fall of last year. And here we are like on the other side almost, I hope, <laughs> of a pretty humongous change in our entire reality. So is it's safe to say that what you've seen in terms of this social impact and social responsibility that is probably skyrocketed from where you saw it last fall, I would imagine. 
Yeah, it, it, it's uncanny. It's uncanny. You know, to the BlackRock conversation, I mean, most BlackRock is a mutual fund, you know, ETF company. Uh, and most mutual fund companies are the biggest shareholders of individual companies. So they have the biggest voting power. And before that BlackRock announcement, very few companies were willing to go out on a limb and say, you know, make votes based off of social issues. But now that started a domino effect. And, you know, we're just seeing people's change, like Andy was saying earlier about how we own, we choose to make our own purchases. Um, that, you know, I, I think there was a statistic that I, I heard it was something close to 90% of people want to, you know, buy from a company or shop at a business that is doing good things, you know, and we just, you know, I hate to say this, we can't rely on our government anymore to do these things for us. And so we're looking now to these companies out there, uh, and those companies that are doing the things, they're the ones with the profits, which in turn are helping our clients reach their own financial goals. So as you're, I think, widening your sphere and, and making your value proposition more available to the right businesses and the right individuals, um, we're now in a pandemic, in a recession. So the I think the notion that the that maybe business owners are not thinking about investing or managing this because it's a pandemic and recession is false, correct? Like you're seeing a lot of interest from business owners today. I, I can tell you on a daily basis, uh, as we talk to our business owners, as well as our individual clients, this is a topic that comes up. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not going away. If anything, it's going to have more of a spotlight put on it as a result of the situation that we're in. And we're seeing it. There's a lot of businesses that have seen hits to revenue, but there's a lot of businesses that actually we talk to on a regular basis that are saying, hey, first quarter was good. Second quarter was better. And we're kind of afraid to see what third quarter looks like because there has been a shift in how people are choosing to spend their money. Um, they're not taking the massive vacations because places aren't open. And right. so we're seeing a lot more focus, especially in the outdoor industry of, um, you know, have you been in a bike shop lately? Try to go buy a bike right now. And, and it's awesome, but it's frustrating when I need to go in for a tune-up. <laughs> right, for sure. And so I think it's important that we note again, there, we're also coming through a time when there have been furloughed employees, layoffs, um, the talent grab that is going to happen when things do start going back to um, a, a tighter, uh, more, you know, consistent flow of transaction, I guess, like obviously we in the outdoor active lifestyle markets have been very fortunate in certain cases, we have been seeing a lot of activity and booms, right? In not all categories, but a lot of them, frankly. Um, but think about this as a as an employer or as a small business in these spaces, how important it's going to be to truly have your best, I think, brand perception that's genuine forward for new people to look at as they're considering employment, because I do kind of feel like it's going to be the employees market more than it is the businesses, the hiring market. You know what I mean? Like they're going to have a lot of choice. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. And it's what companies are because people have a choice now who they want to work for. So it's not just about the paycheck anymore, but it's about what kind of benefits are being offered to me. Those benefits align with my values. What is the company doing? And those align with their values. We're seeing a lot of companies actually, ask us to come in and, you know, talk to their employees about how to plan for their future as an, as an added benefit, because they're trying to just stack these benefits up, Kristen, so that they do attract those right people, as you mentioned, when that talent grabs begins to happen. 
Absolutely. And this is an area that I think, again, like there's an opportunity to change perception around it. Um, I think debunk a few things, but ultimately like when you see your employer doing it um, and actually showing like that they're walking the walk and you're signing up to be part of that as an employee, like that's actually very powerful. One of the things that we see consistently in a lot, we spend a lot of time looking at consumer behavior and consumers really do place a, a high, high value and trust on their employer communications. What their employers tell them means a great deal to them and they believe it. Uh, they can't say the same about social media or fake news or robo reviews or anything else right now. Um, so it's actually really, really important. And I love that you're um, creating more value and more resources for your clients to do that with their employees. It's a key stakeholder group. So some of the, um, let's talk about some of the ways that you are trying to change perception here. I love this. And I wanted to kind of get your take on where this came from. One of the things that Chris and Andy do when they're talking with a new client could be an individual or a business is describe your ideal weekend. And in our space, like what a perfect question, like maybe you would think it's an icebreaker, but it's actually a screening question and it's a way for you to help organize and prioritize your services to them. So talk about how that came to be. Yeah, this is Chris. I'll talk a little bit about that. You know, a lot of times when a client uh, initially meets with us, the first thing they do is they have a stack of paper, whether it's statements or insurance policies, tax returns, they push it across the table and they go, okay, here's what I got. And Andy and I have to, you know, just level set and say, okay, hold on. We're going to get to that promise. We'll dig in the numbers. But first thing is let's find out what's important to you. Uh, so we actually go through an interview process and one of the questions that we just we found that we came up with was, are you tell us what their ideal weekend looks like? Because what happens is it reframes their mind to what, where am I my happiest at? You know, uh, you know, and for some of that could be at home. Uh, you know, we had a client recently, you know, that told us Yellowstone. Uh, if I can be in Yellowstone, that's where I want to be at, you know. So, and we just asked them to tell us more about that. And that description, what they're actually painting for us, Kristen, is what, everything would look like if they had no worries or concerns at all. And Andy and I, that's part of our job is to take the worries, take the concerns off of our client's plate so that we, you know, they can go do what they're really good at and we'll take care of all the stuff in the background so they can hit their goals. So that question just really, you know, and by peeling the onion back several layers on it, uh, tells us a lot about who that person is and, and only what they want to do, but it tells Andy and I if we want to work with them because right. we... We, we can't take on everybody and everybody's not going to be a good fit for us. But that and the answering that question and really what's important to them tells us uh, if this is something we can work with and if we feel like we can realistically help. I love that. Andy, did you want to add to that at all? No, I think Chris really, really hit it well there. One other thing that, that probably wasn't something that we originally planned um, when we started formulating that question as part of our, our discovery and onboarding process um, was really how that would impact what we've just seen over the last five months. Because I can tell you that, hey, when people did get that punch in the face, um, you know, back in March when the country started going into lockdown and they had to start looking at, hey, what's really important to me? And reality is, is it came back to what do I want to do this weekend? And what do I want to do if things don't go back to normal? What's important to me to make sure is there? And I can tell you that question has become more and more important in our process working with clients, less so than, you know, 
hey, how much money do you need in retirement? It's more of, you know, what's important to you right now? If you, as Chris said, if you could really have your ideal weekend, where are you at? What are you doing? And now let's figure out how we get you there. So right. it's, it's just kind of a, a different tactic. And as Chris said, it, it catches a lot of people off guard when we start the process because trust me, we've been in this business for a long time. That's not a normal question that is told to you during any training when you're you know, becoming a financial advisor or a financial planner. It's almost like you're managing the gap. So there's where our heads are at from what we've learned and we've been told our entire adult life. And then there's the simple love that we have for our lifestyle. And that question really bridges them like right away and makes it easy to walk across the bridge because it's something that, of course, you know the answer to that. And honestly, you're absolutely right. It's probably gotten a lot more attainable and simplistic over COVID. And that's why there are no bicycles available. And that's why I literally moving my son up to college from Southwest Colorado to Bozeman, Montana, there wasn't a single campsite available. Thankfully, I was able to go to BLM land. But like my point is, is it is just like people are discovering the reverence, the simplicity, the being present in the moment that outdoor active lifestyles give you. And somehow you two are able to bring financial planning into that zone. And that is a little bit miraculous, frankly. And I think it's one of the miracles of COVID is like people are ready for that. I think it would have been a heavier lift before. And let's be honest, you're selling a very intimate product. People have all kinds of baggage around their money. And I guess as we look to wrap up here, I'd love to have you just give a little bit of like a a way that you could make people feel comfortable starting where they are right now today. Yeah, so I I think the key there is, is there's not a number that you need to reach. And we run into that all the time. You know, obviously, Chris and I do have some asset limits and, and things for certain products and uh, strategies that we utilize with clients. But reality is, is our opinion, everyone needs to start somewhere. And we don't just work with, you know, multi-million dollar clients. We, we have multi-million dollar clients, but we work a lot with people that are saying, hey, this is where I am. And this is where I'd like to get to but I have no idea how to do that. And that's really where I think the planning piece comes in. And there's a lot of great resources out there for the DIYers. There's a lot of those people that are in our industry that, you know, will never work with a professional advisor in any way, shape or form. And that's fine. Um, And there's a lot of great, like I said, resources for them to go build their own strategy and build their own guide plan. But I, I think the biggest thing there is, is, you know, don't be intimidated or embarrassed by where you are today. Everybody started somewhere. Chris and I started somewhere. We're still not where we would like to be. You know, when you, you went out and formed Verde, uh, I, I promise you, you had some fear. I, I know the business owner mentality and embarrassment of, you know, there's some things that I, I don't know that I'm going to learn along the way. And the key there is being able to stumble eloquently when you do run into one of those roadblocks or intimidating pieces. So, you know, my, my piece of advice there is, is, you know, if you don't feel comfortable doing it yourself, call someone, whether it's us, whether it's another advisor, whether it's somebody that just has more experience than you do ask questions. Um, but please don't be intimidated or embarrassed by where you are today. That's great advice. How about you, Chris, to wrap it up? Can you summarize your feelings on that? 
Yeah, I've got uh, I've got three boys, and I remember when I was uh, first becoming a new dad. You know, I, I guess it's most new parents thinking like, okay, what what do I do? I wanted to make sure I encouraged them and I helped them, and everybody was like, always, you know, tell your kids they can do anything. And you know, my young, my oldest son, who's nineteen now, when he first got into sports, I remember we played soccer, and everybody got a trophy, and that really burned me the wrong way. And so I didn't want to tell this kid you can do anything you want to do because I just didn't really believe that. So I changed my phrasing and uh, you know, my, my wife gave me a hard time about it first, but I was like, you can do anything you're willing to work to do or anything you're willing to take the steps to do. And so I've told that message over and over again to all three boys. And I feel like that's how we, you know, I, I would tell people out there in the audience, you can do anything that you're willing to work to do, anything that you're willing to put the plan together on anything that you're willing to hire the right people for. But don't just say, I'm going to do this and not and expect it to not happen because it's not going to magically just all work together. That's fantastic. And I just have to say, it's awesome to know that our community has um, specialists like you because at a time like this, I think we're all looking at every single aspect of life, um, financial management, money, our identity around that, our identity and our lifestyle, like all of that is so important. And I feel like we're at a moment right now where we can really hit the reset button on that as well and set a new plan and really go forward in a way that is going to be meaningful from what we just went through with COVID because that's sort of the gift of COVID is it's it's enabled us to really look at what's important. And I do think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for growth in business and financial gain after COVID, I mean, this is when the majority of incredible new entrepreneurial startups happen is when we have a recession or I guess I've never lived through a pandemic. And I'm pretty sure when the Spanish flu hit, there weren't a whole heck of a lot of Kickstarters going on. But my point is, here we are with um, an incredible array of technology, global communication and connection, a global pandemic and a recession. And you can't tell me there won't be incredible opportunity that will come from this. Pairing your identity and your goals around money and where you want that to go with the opportunity that's here, it's time. It is time to think of this differently. And I'm so excited to have you on the show to share you with my audience here at Channel Mastery because you are definitely our people. And I just am so heartened to know that you're out there ready to help with the context you have. So thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having us, Chris. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate it. And I will be having you back, like it or not, because this is not a one and done conversation. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening, Channel Masters. Hey, the fact that you're still here shows me that you are super committed to being remarkable to your target consumer or shopper. I mean, no matter what changes we continue to navigate in our businesses in 2020 and beyond, one thing, thankfully, remains clear. And that is the importance of focusing on being remarkable to our North Star, our absolute target consumer. Focusing on the North Star is how we'll not only get through this challenge that we're in, but it will also be how we grow through this incredibly evolutionary time that we're in. If you're hungry for more training and one-of-a-kind resources created to help you do just that, I have a special invitation just for you. Head on over to channelmastery.com forward slash course, and you can read all about our second cohort of the Multi-Channel Marketing Academy, which will be launching in early September, 2020. 
we've intentionally chosen this time frame because of the incredible relevance it has to planning and budgeting for the coming year. Please sign up there and you could be entered to win a free seat in the Academy in the second cohort. And while you are opting in with your email, you'll also be given access and a heads up to all of the incredible content that we're creating for our pre-launch. This will include free trainings and resources that we've been researching and building out just for specialty brand and business leaders like you. As always, thank you so much for being part of the Channel Mastery community and thank you for listening. See you next week. Springs Wealth Group, a financial advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC. Located in Colorado Springs, Colorado and Hondo, Texas. Social impact investing may increase risk due to the limitations and constraints involved in investment selection. And as a result, the fund may underperform other funds that do not consider the social impact. Ameriprise Financial Inc. and its affiliates do not offer tax or legal advice. Consumers should consult with their tax advisor or attorney regarding their specific situation. Ameriprise Financial cannot guarantee future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered by Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, copyrighted 2020 Ameriprise Financial, Inc., all rights reserved.